I'm Kim Smith, and this is Understanding Dyslexia, where I break down dyslexia and related issues. On today's episode, we'll be discussing effective strategies for dyslexia. Join me as I discuss the components of effective instructional strategies and how you can use those same concepts to help your child at home. Welcome, and thank you for joining me. As I mentioned, we will be discussing effective strategies in this episode. But first, I want to take a moment to clarify a couple of things from the last episode where we discussed assessment. I had mentioned that assessment is usually conducted by a diagnostician, which is true, but the diagnostician conducts the formal assessment, what you probably think of when someone says they're going to test your child. So they sit down with the student and their testing kits and have the student perform various tasks to get a score that's then interpreted and incorporated into a diagnosis. That's only one part of the assessment. The full evaluation is conducted with information from what we call a multidisciplinary assessment team. So information from parents, teachers, specialists, interventionists, and anyone else that works with the child or has a vested interest in that child is compiled. And in addition to the formal testing information from the diagnostician, all gets put together to make a diagnosis for that student. The second thing I want to clarify is that the decision to place a student in special education services is based on the need for specially designed instruction, or SDI. This is instruction that's modified or adapted for the individual student and addresses their specific needs based on their disability. So it could be a change in the pacing of the curriculum that they learn or the level of the curriculum that they learn. So I just wanted to clarify those two points. And now let's get into effective strategies for dyslexia instruction. The dyslexic brain and I would even argue most brains, thrive on instruction that is multisensory, sequential, explicit, that promotes automaticity, is synthetic, and analytic. So it's no surprise that those are the exact components that make for effective dyslexia instruction. So let's take a look at each of those pieces a little more closely. There are lots of theories floating around about different learning styles that one person is a visual learner or that someone else is an auditory learner. And the truth is that we learn by taking in information from all of our senses. It does make sense, however, that different people are more tuned in to certain senses than others. For example, if someone doesn't have great listening comprehension skills, they're likely going to learn best when information is presented in other formats to support their listening. So, There is research that suggests that we actually learn best when we receive information in a variety of forms at the same time. And that's exactly what multisensory instruction is. Students need to see, hear, touch, and move to learn. So we do things like color coding spelling patterns and using picture cues to help students remember letter sounds and vocabulary words. We practice saying our sounds out loud and make chants or rhymes to help us remember patterns, definitions, new phonics concepts. We move. We use hand signals and large arm movements to make letters in the air. So if we're learning what vowels are, we will hold up our fingers for a V for vowel and say 
Vowels are sounds and we'll cup our hand behind our ear that use our voice and then we put our fingers on our throat and open our mouth and we point to our open mouth or we signal like our hand like a puppet opening a mouth. Um, We touch and feel by using manipulatives like plastic letters or bingo chips or cut up squares of paper and index cards to move around and take the place of letter sounds. So what that would look like is having, say, bingo chips lined up horizontally in front of them, and we would slide one chip closer to us for each sound in a word. Then the students can work on identifying what the first sound was when we pulled down that first chip or what the last sound was. And it just takes a concept that's kind of abstract, you know, separating those sounds and and makes it much more concrete and understandable. There are some virtual letters and counters out there that you can manipulate with a mouse or a touchpad or on a tablet. And I want to say that while it may be enough for some students to get that visual input and movement, it may not be enough input for some. So my rule of thumb is to always go old school and real world and inexpensive first. Using a multisensory approach to instruction increases engagement in the lesson and enhances memory and learning outcomes because it accesses multiple pathways in the brain. So we're using multiple ways of getting that information in there. Sequential and explicit instruction means that we teach reading concepts in an order that makes sense and builds on skills already learned. We don't leave that learning up to chance. So in the 1980s and the 1990s, what we call whole language instruction was very popular. And with whole language, the approach is that students will learn to read when exposed to text and allowed to explore. And while some children can learn to read with this type of approach, research shows that the majority of students develop reading skills much better when they receive direct phonics instruction that includes modeling, guided practice, and independent practice of the skills. So students with dyslexia need to be taught skills until they become automatic, meaning that they can do them without having to really think about it. So we practice a lot. We cycle through skills and revisit them often. When the processes are automatic, students are able to put more cognitive energy into comprehension. Synthetic instruction means that we teach students the letters and sounds and how to put them together to build words. Analytic instruction is where we take words and teach students to recognize patterns and pieces of the words to take them apart and decode them. Students need to learn how to do both, how to take them apart and build words in order to read and spell. So how can you use this information to help your child at home? Well, make the work multi-sensory. If they're working on spelling words, highlight each spelling pattern in a different color. Use pictures to help them remember letter sounds, new words, and vocabulary. Make up chants and songs to help them remember information and skills. Pair audiobooks with printed material to help them access higher level materials. Put letters on pieces of paper and practice building words. If they have to alphabetize words, put them on index cards or pieces of paper that they can move around and put into order. Help them break words apart by finding the vowels because where there's a vowel sound, there's a syllable. Write the vowels down, spacing them out. Look to the left and right of each of those vowels and write the consonants on either side of them. Then read the parts. 
it's easier to put chunks of words together than long strings of letters. So if we can identify the syllables and break the word down into syllable pieces, then we can decode those smaller pieces a lot easier and put the whole word together. And finally, just practice, 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 and then practice again. For more information on dyslexia and effective strategies, you can visit the Florida Center for Reading Research at fcrr.org. They have a tab titled FCRR Student Center Activities that has a whole library of activities that you can do at home with your child based on grade level. You can also visit the International Dyslexia Association at dyslexiaida.org. They have lots of resources and information there as well. Before I close out this episode, I'd like to take a moment to shine a light on Dr. Sean Robinson. I had the pleasure of hearing Dr. Robinson speak as a keynote speaker for a conference I attended recently. It was both moving and eye-opening. Dr. Robinson spent his school career in special education. As a child, he was diagnosed with an emotional disorder and his IEP goal centered around behavior. He described how he would act out, get into fights, flip desks, all just to get out of class. It wasn't until he was entering his senior year of high school that he was diagnosed with dyslexia. He wasn't a bad kid. He couldn't read. He graduated high school reading at an elementary level. He shared in his speech about how his mother just would never give up on him and worked tirelessly to find a way to help her son. Fortunately, she found Project Success at the University of Wisconsin, Oshkosh. Dr. Robinson participated in the Project Success summer program and finally learned to unlock the code and read at 18 years old. Dr. Robinson went on to get his bachelor's degree, his master's, and eventually his doctorate. He has dedicated his work to removing literacy barriers, specifically for underprivileged and underserved students. His work centers around language and literacy development for students with dyslexia in special education and what he refers to as the intersection between race, dyslexia, and giftedness. Together with his wife, Dr. Inshira Robinson, he has co-authored Dr. Dyslexia Dude, a series of graphic novels which chronicle his own experience as a student with dyslexia. He provides training workshops for parents and teachers and is a motivational speaker as well. His story is truly amazing. You can find out more about Dr. Sean Robinson and how he went from special education to doctorate at his website, drshawnarobinson.com. That's D-R-S-H-A-W-N-A robinson.com. Check out his books at drdyslexiadude.com. You can also find his books on Amazon. Thank you for joining me here on Understanding Dyslexia. I hope you found the information helpful. Join me next time when I'll be discussing dyslexia instruction. Until then, stay safe, stay happy, and stay positive.